Hello and welcome to Paving the Way podcast. I'm Seth Amoa, aka SA. I'm here with Kenny Jean Louis, also known as KJL. And today we're here with someone special. Uh, when I was young, I, I used to just get buckets. You know, he never stopped getting buckets. It's, I don't know, it's complete scorer all, all around the all around the hoop. Uh, without further ado, Mr. Olivier Halan. Merci. Uh-huh. Merci, merci Olivier d'avoir accepté l'invitation. Euh, quand on, on pense à des, des talents qui ont paved the way au Québec, ce n'est pas juste des personnes de Montréal. Toi, tu es un bon exemple qui vient de Gatineau et tout, puis qui a paved the way, qui a été NCA, qui a fait des, des big things. So, on va parler de ça, puis je pense qu'il y a beaucoup de personnes qui vont apprendre de, de l'interview. So, merci encore. Je apprécie, apprécie que vous avez me. Comme je l'ai dit précédemment, j'ai vu un couple de gars, Kenny, Kami, un whole bunch of guys sur le show, et c'est kind of unique comment vous faites ça, mais je suis heureux d'être ici. So, first question is why and when did you start playing basketball? Uh, so I started playing basketball around the age of six, I would say, in the, in the Gatineau area over here. I remember my dad had put me in a couple of different teams in a couple of different leagues and would lie about my age for me to play with the with the older guys. But, you know, I've been starting around around that age. Okay. And did you, uh, I guess from the get-go, did you, did, you, did you always want to play competitive basketball? Or were you, was this more for fun? No, I felt like my dad played for Ottawa U over here, right? So just growing up and seeing him play. And after that, I have a basketball family, right? So my brother played, my sisters played. So everybody, it was just kind of a, a family thing. A lot of people played. So I don't know. I feel like once you start young, you're pretty competitive. And, and it just kind of goes from there. Okay. And then your first team was Grand Prairie. When was the, your first real team? My first team? No, I played first. So I played high school over here. Um, I played high school over here for Grand Rivière. But before that, when I was a lot younger, I used to play for Dragon, Dragon Dawe. And that was like mm-hmm. a Gatineau, kind of an organized team and hall around here. And they had stuff for, you know, extremely young kids and stuff like that. So I, I'm pretty sure I started over there. And after that, I kind of built my way up to, you know, Benjamin, Cadet, and I that I would play that league that we would sometimes go in Montreal and play that Montreal league. And also I would play the local league with uh, my French team, Grand Rivière, some of my high school. And, and, and I remember you were playing guardsman, right? Yes. So, yes, so, yes. so I, no, okay. so, how, so how was that experience? I was good. So ever since, like, I feel like most hoopers when I was younger, there'd be a lot of competitive guys in Montreal And obviously, a lot of competitive guys in Toronto. But in the Gatineau area, it was a little more slower. So after me playing a couple of years for Le Dragon and my high school stuff was not that competitive, you know. It, sometimes the high school league is not that competitive. So I, I think I was playing Juvenile Dura. And it was, you know, it's pretty easy for me. But after that, I did the transition to go to Guardsmen, you know. And that's like kind of a, a, a team that was kind of run by Carlton. And Carlton's been you know, a crazy powerhouse for the last 20 years, let's say, you know, winning every single championship and stuff like that. So it was kind of a program program related to that. And Dave Smart used to be kind of overshadowing everything. So he kind of brought me over there. And it was good, you know, because guys over there were extremely competitive. And we started playing in some leagues in Toronto. And after that, we had some tournaments in the States. So it was good to go from the Gatineau stuff that, became super easy i would say and after that go to that that was kind of like a smack in the face at first because so many guys are a lot better than me but it helped me for sure okay did you decide did you, is that something you want to do go to go there or did you want to come to montreal and play in the league here 
Uh, I think the Montreal, I think the Montreal stuff it was more for like the siege up side of it, right? So whenever I started getting around Sonda Sank and stuff like that, I started thinking about okay, am I gonna do siege up or let's say go to the States for prep school and stuff like that. But before that, I was pretty much just kind of over here playing on the Gatineau side, playing with the Dragon de Hull. And after that, when I started playing the guards and stuff, it was pretty competitive, right? Because we got to play against a lot of U.S. competition and we got to play against a lot of teams in Toronto. And Toronto had some pretty big-time teams over there. So I never really thought about going to Montreal at like an early, early stage. It was more closer around when I started graduating. Okay. okay. Because I don't know if you remember, like for sure you remember, we played together on, on the U17 yeah, sure, team sure. with yeah. Team Quebec. And I guess you, you were good. But yeah. the next year I went to Champlain and you went, you were playing for Guardsmen. And then yeah. we had a we had a tournament at the uh San Yu tournament. Yeah, and then you. I was like, damn, like first half you have 20 points and, and me and uh Kwin is thinking like, hey, that guy was okay. It was he was all right, but it was yeah. not that good. Then second yeah. half, you have another 20 points. And then at my, I was like, damn, what you did during maybe that summer or the, that six months for you to be, I guess, all right, to now yeah. you're like better than everyone and you're a star. You were killing Simon Bibo, you were killing Adam. I was like surprised. Yeah. So what, what did you do during that time to, I guess, get better? Okay, yeah, I would say like when I started playing against, when I started playing 14 Quebec, that was a big summer for me, right? Because most of the team was mainly Montreal guys. And you had guys had a lot of good guys. So I was kind of the outsider. And, you know, I came to the tryout, not sure if I was going to make it. And after that, I ended up slipping on a team. And after that, we ended up having a pretty good, we, we ended up winning it. So it gave me a lot of confidence to just go like, you know, just confidence in the next year where during that year, I was just super focused. And sometimes when you're playing in leagues, which is like, if you're playing in Montreal, right, you have so much competition. There's so many different guys to go up to, right? And sometimes when I was playing over here, you kind of get complacent a bit, you know? It's like I was always the best guy on the court when it comes to, like, the Gatineau area stuff. I was really scoring a whole bunch of points. But that first summer really gave me a chance to really test out, like, my skill. And I was not the best guy on that team, obviously. But, you know, that next year I was super motivated. And after that I started playing with the guardsmen and just kind of – I was just – every year I was just trying to add a couple things to my game, right? And, you know, it was pretty easy sometimes playing against somebody like Kimmy. Kimmy was – you know, the best during that time. And in terms of just growing up, he was scoring a whole bunch of points and just kind of being able to compete against him, against Kenny, against a whole bunch of guys, you know, against you, against a whole bunch of guys during that team just gave me confidence whenever I went back home. And I was just crazy motivated, you know. And after that, when I started playing guardsmen, I was super motivated. And I was so excited about that tournament because I wanted to play Champlain so bad. <laughs> and it gets so many people, you know, because it's like, all right, I'm not really playing with you guys, but I'm playing against you guys. So it was just a chance to, you know, really express myself. Okay. Um, at, at Guardsman, how was it being, I guess, like you said, Dave Smart was over overtaking the whole program. How was it being coached by him or taking his, his insights in basketball? Yeah, he's an extreme, he's extremely good coach, you know, and uh, he's one of the best coaches in Canada. And after that, you can even go with the States and Europe, obviously he's in Canada, but in terms of like the way he thinks of the game, and just his process in terms of just, just the whole basketball overview was super, super good for me. And just the fact that he was so focused on like the university guys and winning a whole bunch of championships and still having to focus on some of the young guys like me, enabling me to come to sometimes in the summertime, you'd have like scrimmages over there. And I was super young, but I was going up against 
some of the guys on the team, you know, I was getting, I was getting beaten up pretty easily, but I would go against guys like Osvaldo and stuff like that. And just being around those people really just gave me, I feel like sometimes when you get to a point in a career, it could be very young or very old and you start being the best player. Sometimes you get complacent, right? But if you kind of force yourself to put yourself in positions where there's people better than you, it's going to help you get better. Okay. okay. And were you thinking of maybe going to Carlton? Like the, the fact that they really help you or because I know after that you went to the States. So were yeah. you thinking of maybe going to Carlton or you, and your mind was, you know what, I'm going to go to the state right after that. Yeah. I feel like at that point it was more like I was, I used to always play in like the Gatineau area. Right. So the Gatineau area, I played in Montreal with the team Quebec stuff. And after I started playing, I got a chance to play with team Canada, but the, the very popular thing was to go to the States, you know, and, and instead of my dad, I don't think my, my dad didn't really want me to go to CJP because Montreal was a lot of good teams, but in terms of Montreal, my dad kind of had like a mindset, which is uh-huh. you go over there, you get distracted a bit, you know, and there's a lot going on in Montreal and you're young, you're living, you know, you're, let's say you're going to be, you're playing basketball, but he had sent me at a prep school where it was like complete isolation, you know, yeah. like New Hampton was like, there was nothing around there. It was just straight, In New Hampshire, in the middle of nowhere, no parties, no going off. You would have to have, like, you'd have to have, like, permission to leave campus. So, over there, it was strictly, like, studying and playing basketball every day, right? So, sometimes, I'm not saying Montreal wouldn't have been a good opportunity, but I'm saying if you're isolated in a place where the only thing you have to do is play basketball and study, I feel like you're going to be a little more focused when it comes to basketball. Yeah. So, um... What was the biggest challenge, I guess, during your transition period, going from guardsmen to the prep school? I feel like the the biggest challenge was the competition, right? Uh, whenever you're in, you know, Ottawa guardsmen or wherever you're at, you know, especially Canada, sometimes the competition level is a little less. And doesn't mean that there's not good competition, but once you go to the States, it's like on an every night thing, right? It's like every game you got, you playing against somebody that's ranked. Every game there's uh, NCAA scouts, there's Division One schools that come. So it's a lot more. A lot more pressure, but just a lot more competition. So you just had to, it was like a transition, right? You got to get used to the competition. And after that, whenever you get used to it, you get more confidence and start playing better. Okay. And and for you, did you, I guess, scale right away? Or it took you like a, maybe a couple of weeks, couple of months to, I guess, do your thing? Yeah, it took me actually a couple of months. I got over there. I remember my coach that took a chance for me at the prep school. Uh, He was like, after a couple months, I was struggling, struggling. He was thinking about like replacing me and sending me back to Canada, actually. Oh. And so he was just like, you know, I don't think, you know, you're ready for this competition, whatever. And after that, I think it took me like half a season. And after that, I started playing well. And after that, I went over there another year. And after that, I, I would say like a solid four or five months just to get used to things. Mm-hmm. And um, during your, uh, I guess, that final year that you were doing so well, what were you doing besides, uh, say, Outside of practice, what were you doing on your individual workouts that was making you get better, like the way you got better? Because I know that year you went off, so. Yeah, so I just feel like in Canada is like my situation over here, I was working out and sometimes you got to do a little more on yourself, right? I had my brother who was helping me out with the workouts and stuff like that, but I had a coach over there, Coach Hutch, and he was the type of dude like, yeah, we'd have practice at three, but we'd have like workouts at like 6 a.m., you know, and it was like, Every day you have a workout at 6 a.m. And it's not like you have to go to the gym. You got to motivate yourself or you got to come up with these workouts. You have two, three coaches waiting for you, waiting to work you out before you even go to class. So I feel like 
when you start doing that over and over again, maybe you're not going to see improvements in a week. But if you're doing that for a full year of workouts, 6 a.m. workouts, this is during the season, right? And we didn't really have nothing else to do. So it'd be me, my best friend, Zach August, and just be in the gym, 6 a.m., 5 a.m. We'd live like right beside the gym. You could walk to the gym. It was two seconds. So it was just working out, to be honest. There's nothing. It's not rocket science. You know, you just have to put the time in. Yeah, yeah. Oh, nice. And can you talk about, you just talked about your brother. I remember your, your parents was always at every game. Your sister was always there. So can you talk about maybe how the support system that you had with your family, how it impacted you? For sure. You know, my family, it's always been, I've always had a good team behind me. You know, it could be at any level, even when I was younger to, I remember even college when I was Boston College, my brother, I think every other game he was there, you know, he would come up to Boston, he would come up to Duke, he would come up to a whole bunch of different places. And obviously some people are lucky enough to have that. Some people don't, you know, you can still make it work, but for sure, just being surrounded by like a basketball family where it's like, or my sister kind of knows what I'm going through because she plays ball. My brother plays ball. My little, my older sister plays ball. My dad played ball. So just having that type of family and everybody wanted to be at the games and encouraging and going a little crazy at the games when I was younger, it was for sure just extra motivation, I would say. Okay. You just mentioned you went to Boston College. I would assume that you had a, many offers, you know. Um, is there a reason why you chose Boston College? Uh, I, had, I, had a, I had a couple offers, but I had a tricky situation, right? Because mm -hmm. when I came – it's it's kind of like a, a complicated situation. But when I came from Canada, I graduated in, let's say, grade 11, right? So on that yeah. sink. Yeah. And sometimes when you go to the States, most places got grade 12. But since I already graduated, it's like when I was in the States, they counted it as like a post-grad year and would only count like credits for one class, right? So to get to college, you have to have like I think from grade nine to grade 12, you have to have X amount of credits, right? To mm -hmm. be able to qualify to be, to mm -hmm. play division one sports, you know, but I didn't have that full year grade 12 for some reason. It was a lot of confusion, right? Because most mm -hmm. of the people that go to, let's say Canada to the States, there's a lot of guys from Toronto and Toronto, it's the same school system, right? Yeah. Until grade 12 and after that you go to college. So my situation was a little unique in terms of like, a lot of people didn't really understand with the credits. And so I had a little issue with that, but I would still, I remember Dayton was looking at me. I remember Virginia Tech was looking at me. It was like a pretty good list of schools, but it was a lot of confusion with my situation in terms of like if I would be able to play in the first year because of my credit situation, not because I was a bad student. It was just because since I already graduated and it's like I graduated from Gatineau and I graduated high school again in the States, it was very confusing for them. Okay. So during that whole process, Boston College was like one of the schools that was like, you know, even if you can't play, even if you have to retro your first year, we'll be committed to you. So, you know, I, I took importance in that. Okay. Did did you uh, thought of maybe going to JUCO? Because we had uh, Kenny and he said the same thing because he graduated in Montreal. And then yeah. so, yeah, you had to go to JUCO. So did you thought of it or you said, you know what, I'm just going right away? Yeah, because I, I'm not too sure. I know. Did he? Did he go from? He went from Montreal straight to JUCO. No, Montreal to Carroll. Yeah, yeah okay, Carroll. Yeah, Carroll. Carroll. Yeah. But he graduated. So, he graduated, and he said because of that, he should have went like a year earlier. So yeah. that's why he went to junior college. So I was just wondering if maybe you yeah, thought I of remember, that. Yeah, I remember my last year. I, I spent two years in prep school. My last year, it was kind of a situation where, when these schools started coming and started knowing my situation, they had to like kind of go to 
the NCAA, to talk to the administration, to explain, explain the situation. This is all happening while I was playing, right? So I was just trying to figure it out through the year. And I had a situation where I was talking to like University of Virginia and um, they they were interested, but they I think they wanted to do something that I would leave after the first semester of my last year in prep school. And I would go to college, but not okay. to play basketball, just to take some courses to basically prove that, you know, I'm a good student. And after that, that following year, I wouldn't have no issue in terms of playing. But I was lucky enough to have, like, Boston College just be in my whole last year of prep school. They were just fighting for me, fighting for me, like, trying yeah. to figure out the situation. And around the end, they figured out the situation. I was lucky enough to just, you know, go to college and after that, not have no delays. Okay. So going to Boston College, you're in your first year now. And... You did pretty good as a rookie, <laughs> uh, getting rookie of the year. Um, that year, and playing in a, in a very tough conference, um, that year, could you, could you just walk us through that year? What, what, what was your mindset like? Uh, it, was a, it was a crazy year, right? Because uh, just in terms of just going to the ACC, right? You, there's a whole bunch of schools, right? UNC, Duke, the list goes on and on and on. So obviously Boston College was not one of the top, top teams, but it was kind of like the same thing. I was in prep school. And I was facing really good guys. And after that, you get to the ACC and it's like, it's like a whole bunch of different animals, you know, and a whole bunch of different competition. So it was just kind of like motivating for me. I feel like when, whenever you're around people that are better than you are like, are you playing against Duke on this day? Are you playing against UNC? It just motivated me so crazy. And I got so focused where it was like every game I would get better, right? Maybe at the beginning I started a little slow, but by – Christmas by that time I was like in my bag I was playing good I kept working out and I feel like at one point it's like once you get a routine and once you start playing good and stuff like that you should never stop working out you should always have some type of routine you know it could be at prep school it could be at you know the college level it could be at pros you know because sometimes some guys play good they start getting a little lazy but you know the grades really whenever you play good you keep on you know, even if it's not necessarily working out crazy, obviously you have to like adjust your workouts during the season. You can't work out the same way you're working out during the summertime, yeah. but just stuff like, you know, making sure you get your reps up with the threes, you know, 53s, 103s, 203s a day, you know, and make sure, you know, your shot's tight. And after that, whenever you get to the game, it just makes the game so much easier. Can can you talk about um, the first round at the ACC, your first game was against uh, what, Georgia Tech? Yeah, Georgia Tech. Yeah, yeah that yeah, was... The, the, yeah, the forty-one points. I remember watching it. <laughs> so, yeah, that was a pretty. That was a pretty good game. It was like one of those games where it's like I felt like I would have closed my eyes and just shot the ball and everything <laughs> was going in, you know. And it was it was funny that game because I think like the first ten minutes of the game, I started very slow. I didn't really have that many points. I might have been in a single, maybe five, six points, and after that, close to halftime, I just started going crazy. And after that second half, I I don't remember what I had at half. But I know, like, the second part of the first half and after that, the second half was just basically everything was going in. And, and I shot a good amount of free throws, but I shot a good amount of threes. And like I said, everything was going in. And I was feeling good. But even Georgia Tech, just throughout my career, if you look at my career in college, every time I played Georgia Tech, I played really, really good. <laughs> <laughs> I think it started from, from that day, right? Okay. Um, you're, um, so that year you get Rookie of the Year. You know, and there's a there's just some guys going to the NBA from Duke or UNC or you know, why did you think about declaring for the draft that year, or is there a thought or? Yeah, I think I, I thought of declaring for the draft uh, uh, that year in terms of you know 
whenever you're playing good, whenever you you uh, having crazy games and stuff like that. But I just felt like since I wasn't winning, sometimes like it's good scoring points, right? It's good having like individual accolades at a certain level. But sometimes you know winning counts, you know. And I've always wanted to like that. Always bothered me, you know, through my Boston College career in terms of just playing really good but losing, you know. And that like obviously sometimes you're competing against teams that have you know, unlimited resources in terms of getting players, right? And sometimes some te- some schools are harder to get into. Some schools recruit certain guys and stuff like that. So I just wanted to kind of go back and prove myself. And I felt like even when I was going back and proving myself, every year I kind of got better, you know? Every year, I think my first year I got rookie of the year. And I'm not sure if I was on a first team or second team or third team, but I think my second year I was on, I think the first team all ACC and stuff like that. But every year I got better. So I enjoyed I enjoyed the college experience. Okay. And uh, yeah, like like you said, said your second year, you got third third team, and you were I think third in scoring, and you get yeah. you improve and rebound and assist, and then your your third year, you were first in scoring, and then you got first first team. So uh, how was that experience in your last year? And oh, and, my and, la- and also like because yeah, like you said, your team was not doing that great, but you, you were yeah. improving and uh, you guys, you were doing great. So were you frustrated some, sometime maybe? Uh, I, for, I feel like, you know, you're always frustrated, you know, if you're a competitive person, it could be, I've never been a guy, like obviously I, people see me as like, you know, I score a lot of points and stuff like that. But even if you look at most of my games, right, I've never had games where it was like shot 25 shots, stop. 30 shots. I've always been pretty efficient when it comes to just my shooting stuff. So for sure, I was frustrated, man. It's like whenever you're losing, it's never fun. And sometimes you get an individual recognition and that makes you feel some type of way. But in terms of if you just keep losing, man, you're just going to keep being upset. And I just feel like after a while, it kind of just, you know, made me more hungry, more hungry, just to work, to work, to keep on getting better. So obviously it's not the ideal situation in terms of winning, but I still try to focus in and just try to get better. And and just I was wondering, did you maybe thought or maybe people in your circle or maybe outside was telling you, you know what, you good, go to a, a, another school and I guess uh, kill in another school? Like no? Yeah, it happened. To, it happened to me a couple of times. It happened to me a couple of times. Just that process of like, all right, well, you had a good solid first year, right? You getting all this attention, even maybe going pro or or especially at that point, for sure, I could have transferred. But I never liked the idea of like transferring and having to sit out right because uh-huh. most guys sometimes most guys in prep school i know most guys in just college or high school in the states they go from grade 12 and they go directly to college right so most of the time they're like let's say sometimes they're like 18 you know they're just trying 18 maybe they're 19 and i remember i got i went to prep school for two years so it's kind of like i did like an extra year like a siege type of year uh-huh. and after let's say i got to college when i was 19 And let's say I would transfer, sit out another year, I would have graduated or I would have left there when I was, what, 23, 22. Yeah. So it was always kind of an age factor. Sometimes I feel like guys from, like, I say Montreal because of the CJF system, right? Sometimes guys can go to CJF for, what, two, three years. And after that, you get to maybe you want to go Division One, But sometimes age is a big thing when it comes to over there, especially the States in terms of potential and stuff like that. If you're getting to the States and you're – 21 you know your rookie year and after that you're going to graduate by the time you're 25 it kind of messes you up a bit okay um so after you're done your whole you had a amazing amazing uh college career um so now you're so now you're entering the draft can you walk us through the process of how that was 
Yeah, it was a it was a crazy process, you know, because most sometimes, you know, some high high level guys will be like, they'll do one workout, two workouts. They basically know where they're going, right? They yeah. sometimes they work out, and it's not even like a competitive workout where they work out by themselves or they work out. They just do some shooting stuff, and like the teams watch them and stuff. But my situation was like the completely different. My situation was like I worked out I think for like twenty two. I think 20-something teams, you know, and most of the time when you're working out for that many teams, that's a lot of teams, but it's like, all right, Monday you have a workout with, let's say, with Boston. Wednesday you have a workout with Utah. Uh, Saturday you have a workout with L.A. and all of this different time zone stuff. I was going from spot to spot. Go somewhere for one night, sleep. Next day you work out, and each workout is crazy competitive, right? Because most of the time you're going up against another three guards that, or like I, I was always placed with some really, really good guards that got drafted really high, but it was like, it was no breaks. You know, imagine just being on like a, like a four week period where it's like, you're just going from city to city to city, working out in front of everybody. And it's a lot of pressure, right? You, you want to perform, you want to sleep, you want to be fresh. But by the time you're on workout number, let's say 15, 16, your body starts breaking down. It feels yeah. like a mini season, but for sure, just that experience of, you know, I made a lot of friends. I competed with a whole bunch of guys, you know, met a whole bunch of NBA personnel, a whole bunch of interviews. So it's for sure something, you know, special to go through. Okay. Just to backtrack just a little bit, during your three years at uh, Boston College, like you play in the ACC, so who would you say was the best guy that you had to guard and the best team that you had, you had to play against just quickly? Uh, that's, a, that's a hard question in terms of the best team because it's like, all right, let's say you're playing against Duke. And you're playing – I remember Duke. I feel like the best guy that I went up against is probably Jabari Parker when he was at Duke. And Jabari Parker was uh -huh. unlimited <laughs> unlimited skill set. You know, he can post you up three, whatever. And obviously, we're not in the same positions, but we were going at it. But it's very hard to be like, all right, well, Duke was the best team or UNC. Because every – like some of the top teams, let's say you talk about Duke, had a whole bunch of guys. UNC had a whole bunch of guys. Virginia – had a whole bunch of guys and they were like a crazy winning program, but you can go down the list. But I would say, I would say the best player was probably, yeah, it was probably Jabari Parker. And I would say the best guard, I'll say Terry Rosen. He was like, he was playing for Louisville and I got up to go against him a couple of times, but he was small, fast, strong, you know, can get to the rim, super athletic. So he was a, he was a pretty good, pretty good guard. I was, Okay. I was getting bucket on. Uh, you play against um, Dragon, drug not not drug, the guy, uh, the defensive player of the year. Not uh, what's his name? He he played for uh, Milwaukee and now he's playing for Indiana. What's his name? Uh, Malcolm Brogdon. Brogdon. Yeah. yeah, Malcolm Brogdon. Yeah. Yeah, you so play. Think, you play against him. Yeah, so he was really good. He was uh, he was one of those players, man. He worked, man. He was like, he was he came from. Um, I'm not too sure where he came from in terms of like his high school or his come up, but he was never like a high, high profile player. But in terms of like when he was at Virginia, every year he got better, and every year the team was getting like they were going to like the March Madness, you know, elite whatever, elite Sweet 16, everything. So every year it was like they're in the mix in terms of like, all right, this team might win the this team might win the, the March Madness and stuff like that. So I feel like with him, it's like even with the NBA, he started a little slow, but now he's like one of those guys, which is like a team is always going to need a guy like that. You know, he mm -hmm. can play defense. He can shoot the ball. He doesn't do nothing too flashy, but he's one of those guys that he does everything well, you know. And whenever you have like a guy like that and you have just those abilities and stuff like that, you can have a pretty long.
Okay. Um, a lot of kids here obviously play basketball and they want to go down south and play in the NCAA Division One. You know, could you just, I don't know, tell, I don't know, to someone out there how, what it takes and how competitive, I guess, you, you played in the ACC, you probably one of the toughest mm-hmm. conferences, right? So how was, how was it being part of the Boston College team and the practices and the, and the games and what you did on a daily routine, you know? Well, I feel like once you get to, like, once you start playing, like, college basketball, you have to have some type of routine, right? And if you're serious about basketball, uh, you have to, like, kind of treat it as a job from an early age, right? Especially, like, if you want to – if you have big goals, say NBA, play professional, make millions of dollars, you have to, like, have some type of routine because sometimes, like, you can go to college and you can get distracted because there's so many things, you know? Sometimes it could be, you know, parties, girls, whatever, but it's, like, you know, sometimes you get into situations where sometimes guys get in trouble or guys kind of get unfocused and it starts affecting their basketball, right? But in terms of just going down south, it's like you just have to be more and more and more focused. You know, whatever you're doing at the level that you're dominating before, let's say it could be in Montreal, let's say it could be prep school, stuff like that, and you're going to the next level, it's like it's a whole other animal, you know, and you just have to lock in, treat it like a job. And if you show up every day, you're ready to work, you're ready to play and you're ready to just compete, you know, I think you'll put yourself in a, in a pretty good situation in terms of after college or, you know, playing professional in the NBA, playing professional in Europe, making a tons of money. But it's very easy for young guys, you know, when you're 18, 19, 20, to get distracted. And after that, that might be like, sometimes you get one chance, right? You get one chance yeah. to go pro. Sometimes you get one chance to play in the NBA. Sometimes you get one chance to you know, making a living off of playing the game of basketball, right? So it's just becoming more and more and more serious about it, right? And all the other stuff, obviously, right, in terms of just working out, uh, you know, making sure you take care of your body. Taking care of your body is big, you know. Maybe when I was younger, it was like we would just show up to games. You know, AAU was like we would have one game in the morning, go to McDonald's, come back, play <laughs> another game at night. Yeah. Guys would go straight up five minutes before the game, two-line layoffs, not stretch, you know, and just be ready to go. But the more, like, I feel like the more you start taking care of your body at an early age in terms of just doing certain things, maybe you don't – you shouldn't you shouldn't take care of your body only when you're injured, right? You should take – you should have some type of routine, your basketball routine, your treatment routine, uh, you know, getting rest and stuff like that. And all those little things are going to add up to, like, you know, the bigger picture in terms of what you're trying to achieve. Yeah. Okay. Nice. And then, well said. And then draft night. Like, how was how was that experience? That experience was unique, right? Because sometimes people go to like New York and stuff like that. I didn't really. After like, I think I had, I think I had a workout the day before draft night. You know, I I don't know where I was, but I was working out like because you can you can work out until like the day or like two days before. So I was all over the place. By the by the time draft was over, I was like, yeah, I just want to be back home with my family obviously watch us draft and, and kind of enjoy it like that you know I was so dead tired but you know it was a fun experience obviously with the family I didn't do nothing crazy like a party or a gathering it was more with the people that's always been a part of my career in terms of my parents my sisters my brothers always come to the games so we used to we watched the draft I got picked 40 something but the one thing that people don't realize with the draft it's like a two three hour process right so let's say you start with the first draft you're there sometimes and you're nervous right you're watching it's like it feels like you're watching the thing for five hours <laughs> and eventually eventually I got picked and obviously it's exciting right you know you, you get excited you 
it's like a whole nother chapter in your life, right? With the whole summer league stuff and, you know, meeting a whole bunch of people. I think I flew out the next day to Utah and had a whole bunch of interviews, a whole bunch of people hit me up. But, you know, I didn't have nothing too, too crazy in terms of like a crazy celebration, but it was for sure enjoyable. But did uh, your agent or did team was telling you, oh, you might go first round, you might not get draft second round? Like, did you know you um, that it felt draft or you didn't know? I feel like I feel like at that stage, whenever you have like a whole bunch of like I was not like one of those guys is going to go like top 15 or anything like that. Right. But you have an idea if you're going to get drafted or not. You know, it's not a thing where like you're, you're just watching the draft. And you just don't know what's going to happen. Obviously, the situation, maybe guys think they're going to get drafted or and after that end up not getting drafted for certain reasons. But most of the time, you have right before the draft, you have a pretty good idea. Like, all right, this team likes you, this team likes you. Okay, you're probably going to get drafted and stuff like that. So I always knew I was going to get drafted, you know, because I had so many workouts, a lot of good workouts, a lot of good interviews. So that was my personal experience in terms of, like, knowing I was going to get drafted. It was not, like, something super random because i feel like if you get in the draft and like it's like a random thing you know you're like oh, maybe i'm gonna get drafted maybe not you know it's kind of a weird situation right but you know if you have a good agent and stuff like that he get, he's gonna give you a pretty good idea that you're gonna get drafted okay um in your so you you got drafted you played in the summer league you did pretty well um but then you went pro overseas after mm-hmm. can you tell us why or why you probably didn't stay and play for, for the d-league team or the d-league so I feel like sometimes the D League thing, like the the G, well now it's called G League, G-League, right? Yeah. G League is a lot better now, right? Well, with certain two way contracts and stuff like that, they're starting to give a bit more money. But back around that time, G League was basically like you're not making too too much money, right? So around that time, it was like okay, everybody has a different path when it comes to professionally, right? Sometimes mm-hmm. you can look at people like let's say PJ Tucker. PJ Tucker, I think he played five six years in in Europe before going to the NBA. And, you know, I'm not too sure if he got drafted or not, but, you know, some people go direct, some people go overseas one year, come back and stuff like that. But it was more like a, uh, uh, I got offered a contract over there that was like compared to what I was going to get, let's say playing in the G League or going to training camp and not being guaranteed a spot and stuff like that. It was hard to not take it, you know? And obviously Europe is a whole different ball game in terms of just the style of basketball and everything like that. But I feel like once you start going professional, you start thinking about a whole bunch of different other things, right? You're not just playing basketball for free. You know, it's not like college is not prep school. It's like you start having to make some type of smart decision in terms of financially and stuff like that, because you got to support yourself. And that was the best move for me at that point. So, so I was your two, your two uh, first year there. Uh, yeah i played it was adjustment man because yeah. every single situation overseas is very hard to be like like if i tell you my situation overseas was like this and somebody somebody else might tell you completely different right because overseas it's like it's like somebody can be playing overseas and making five hundred dollars a month you know and somebody else can be playing overseas and making Four hundred, three hundred thousand a month, right? But both of them can be like, "Oh, I'm playing overseas, right?" So yeah. it's very like so many different situations. That's what a lot of people like they don't understand that and they don't see that, right? But in terms of overseas, it's a whole bit different ball game. Because sometimes let's say you go to a spot, they don't speak English, right? Let's say you go to a spot, the coach is not too familiar with, you know, your type of basketball. Because European basketball is very different than let's say college or like the NBA. It's a little more 
X and O's and, and stuff like that. You have to think the game a lot more. So sometimes I say you're, you're the fastest, most athletic, and you're dunking like crazy. Sometimes you go overseas and you, you look like a fool out there, right? Because over there it's like guys are X and O's. It's like the point guards that come off of the pick and roll is like they make the right decision every single time, you know? Yeah. Aggressive hedge, pocket pass. You know, the guy's late, shoot it. Or the guy's trailing, attack the rim. It's like I feel like once you get – to certain leagues in terms of overseas, attention to detail is crazy, right? So if you're just used to just running up and down, dunking on guys, kind of the highlight real stuff, you'll struggle, you know, a, a lot. And I feel like I struggled, you know, I had to, it's like an adjustment that you have to get used to since let's say I was playing three years at Boston College. Yeah. And it was a lot more, let's say, spaced out game. Um, you had a lot more space to operate overseas. They don't have that three second rule. So overseas, it's like, and the NBA is like, there's a three-second rule, right? So mm-hmm. people can't be in a key for more than three seconds. So they can't really, like, zone up on you. Overseas, people can be in the key for, for four minutes if they want, you know? So it's like, all right, you're going to beat one guy. And after another guy's coming up, you got to beat that guy. And after that, you get to the room. And after that, it's like, it's like so, the spacing is so much smaller, right? Yeah. So you have to be so much quicker in terms of making a read or making a decision. Uh-huh. So I guess when you uh, you're playing two years over there, you found out that you got um, the Utah Jazz contract mm-hmm. to uh, the Spurs, um, and I know you went back and played for the the D League team, mm-hmm. uh, Austin Spurs, and you guys won that year, right? The championship. Yeah. yeah. So how was that? I guess going from did you think your game elevated going to the pro and coming back and playing for the Austin Spurs? Like, uh, did- yeah, I think I think I was a lot more confident, right? And it was mm-hmm. like we had a really good thing going on it's kind of like the same thing you can be like every single situation overseas can be different right and in the g league every single situation can be also different right i played for the austin spurs everything was super super professional we we never took a bus to anywhere we flew to every game you know we had meals before the game after the game but you can talk to somebody else that played in the g league you'd be like well we had 15 hour bus rides you know we had we had to go overnight to to drive to these some of these G League teams are not in like big big cities right but sometimes you, you hear guys talking about the G League experience or the D League experience and you're like well that wasn't my D League G League experience right so just going there I had more confidence obviously but the one thing that I liked about that situation is like you can work on your game so much more right and I feel like when it comes to like American style of basketball it could be college or it could be uh, the G League or the NBA, individual training is like a very high priority. You know, it could be off season, it could be in season. Sometimes when you go overseas, you have to, you're kind of on your own with a lot of stuff, right? So it's like you have to have a routine. It's not like guys are waiting for you or coaches want to, like some areas will work you out for sure. But it's not like in terms of the States, like when I was at the Austin Spurs, like you'd have practice. And after that, some days you just have like, we call these things these vitamins. So it's like, you had a specific individual workout in terms of like for your strengths and weakness. And you would have that every day, you know? So like if you're bad at finishing with your left every day, they have you doing certain things, working on your left, right? Your jump shot, your three or whatever like that. So it was a lot more specific in terms of like, yeah, you were playing games. Yeah. You got the chance to compete, but also you got a chance to like improve your game throughout the season, which I feel like kind of like my prep school experience, right? Is, prep school experience compared to in Canada where in prep school I had two three coaches waiting for me in the gym 
you know, ready to work. Same thing when it comes to a little more of the American basketball. It could be Boston College. It could be, you know, the G League, NBA, that culture of like working out and and focusing on on getting better at certain things, even throughout the season, yeah. is higher on the okay. list. Okay. And est-ce que des fois tu étais frustré? Because I remember I was watching your summer league uh, game and you were starting, you were playing well. And then there's some, I know there's a lot of behind the scene, but there's some guys that yeah. I feel like you were way better than them. And then they would, I guess, play with the Spurs and then get called. And then my, I was like, hey, why Olivier is not on the team? And during the summer, he was playing better than that guy. So were you frustrating sometimes? Yeah, are you talking about like the G League experience or the summer league? Like, oh, but but now I'm talking about the summer league. Now I'm talking about the summer yeah. league. Yeah. So I think I think the summer league experience is a unique experience, right? Because there's a lot of stuff that people don't understand behind mm -hmm. the scenes. You know, it's like, and it's not like obviously you can get frustrated about it, but you got to understand that, like, let's say, let's say certain guys are playing on the the summer league team have guaranteed contracts, right? It's going to be automatic, even if let's say you're playing better or you have a couple better game sometimes they have different agendas for different guys right so sometimes guys have a little more slack or a little more okay you can make a couple mistakes in a row but we'll still leave them out there and stuff like that so those are the kind of little things that you have to deal with in terms of when it comes to the summer league or even when it comes to the g league you know it's like it's like there's always something in terms of obviously you can play good and obviously you want to be like treated fair in terms of if you're playing good if you're the playing the best at the moment you should get all the minutes but i feel like in terms of those situations are more for like development and stuff like that right so it's less about like let's say they don't have like let's say a team doesn't really have no commitment to you maybe you're playing on a summer league team maybe you're playing on the g league team but they don't have like no direct commitment to you like a long-term commitment you know they, they don't they don't really owe you anything mm -hmm. you know in terms of like you can be playing good you can be playing bad sometimes you'll be playing great and after that one game you're not gonna play type of thing and it's just it's, it is what it is yeah. you know And for But, sure, it's frustrating because a, as a player, sometimes you get a situation you're like, shit, you know, I'm playing good. Um, I'm competing, you know, um, my shot's going and everything like that. And after that, you're like, I wish I could play more. I wish I would get an extra opportunity and stuff like that. But it's not a thing to, like, complain about. That's just life, right, in a whole bunch of different situations. Uh -huh. Sometimes you're going to get an opportunity. Sometimes you're not. You just got to maximize whatever you get. Yeah. You're going to say, Kenny? No, I was just about to, to say that what was your mindset because if you and your head you're like okay because of all the behind the scene and politics mm -hmm. like every summer i guess you, you go play for the, the i guess the spurs summer league but yeah. are you are you thinking you know what i'm gonna go there kill and after that try to get a contract with the spurs or in your head you're already like you know what i'm just gonna play and i'm probably i, I already know i'm not gonna get the contract but i'm just gonna get better and play for some summer league team like What's your mindset? Yeah, I feel like the mindset with the summer league stuff is like, let's say I would play for the Spurs, right? But you got to understand everybody's there, right? There's every single NBA team that's there. And there's probably every single European scout that's at summer league, right? So it's not like, I never really thought about it as like too much like overanalyzing, overstressing myself and stuff you can't control, right? You just try yeah. to focus on what you can control. Yeah. And if you show up, you play good. And you try to do your best, you know? It's not necessarily like, okay, well, if the Spurs doesn't give me opportunity or if this European team doesn't give me opportunity, there's so many, there's so many eyes, right? So I feel like as a young player, just as a player in general, there's so much, so there's so many things you're not going to be able to control. But if you're just dwelling on it and you're, um, man, I'm not getting my opportunity. Oh, man, this is just going to affect you more and more and more. 
And after he's going to play bad, you're going to look worse, you know? So in terms of those situations, it's tricky, right? Because mm-hmm. let's say a lot of people watch these type of things, right? And they don't know what's going on behind the scenes. They don't know the politics. They don't know anything, right? And sometimes as a player, you kind of have to block all of that out and just focus on like, yo, whatever's in front of you, right? All right, you have a game, you're going to prepare, even if you play 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, you're going to try to maximize it, you know? But once you start doing the, maybe when I was younger, it was a little more, oh, like, oh, I should have got this opportunity and stuff like that. But I feel like the more you get, the more you get like over that, get 30 minutes, you might get 10 minutes, you might get 15 minutes, right? And sometimes let's say you play 15 minutes. It's not like a 15 minute straight, you know, it's like you might get in for a minute 50 and after that you'll get in three minutes, you'll get in four minutes after that you get in two minutes. It's like very spread out. Right. So if every situation that you have, you're like, oh man, I wish I would have this guy's minutes and stuff like that. And after that you play and you have zero points, one rebound and you, you do nothing, you know, eventually that's just going to have a negative effect on you, your basketball career and just everything else. Sure. Um, also, I know that you played for Team Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, you played since you were, I, I think, was since 2010? You played for the under-17, yeah. under-19, and the senior team. Can you tell us about the experience about playing for Canada and how was that? Canada, Canada was a great experience, right? It was kind of like the same kind of feeling that I had when I played against Team Quebec, right? Because mm-hmm. let's say Team Quebec was mostly Montreal guys. You know, all you good guys were on the team, and it was every year it was like the same amount of guys. It's kind of like the, the Team Canada was kind of the same thing. It was a lot of Toronto guys, mm-hmm. right? There was never too many guys from Quebec that, that were really on the team. Obviously, there might might have been. You know, I'm not really thinking about it, but maybe a couple. But most of the time, it was like Toronto guys, Toronto guys, this guy, this guy. So it was kind of the same thing. I kind of got an opportunity, just like I got an opportunity in my first year with Team Quebec to maybe make the team. I made the team, and we had a whole bunch of guys on the team. But it was a great experience, you know. It was just like a, it was it opened your eyes to like worldwide basketball because oh. you know we were in different situations. I think we were in Germany and we won the bronze medal, and so it was at like one of the highest levels of basketball for that age group. And just sharing it with so many good players uh, was was for sure a special special memory in my basketball career. Okay. I know you played for the senior team too, right? The yeah. Team. How was that playing playing with other professional? I guess yeah, Canadians. Yeah, it's it's always it's it's always crazy, right? Because I feel like Canada, like Team Canada. The one good thing about Team Canada is like once you kind of get in that like Team Canada, you know, playing for teams and stuff like that. You always be a part of that team, you know, in terms of just okay. that group of players, you know. So whenever, like, sometimes, like, we have summers where we go, I go to Toronto, right, and they have, like, a setup over there for Team Canada certified athletes, right? We had trainings. You have five-on-five. You can get treatments. You can get a whole bunch of stuff. So once you're in that kind of category, mm-hmm. it's really good in terms of just off-season training and stuff like that if you're just in Canada, obviously. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the senior team was good, you know, but it was every time you're playing against, a, like, uh, a bigger and bigger team, you know, different levels and stuff like that. You're going up against a lot of good guys. And, you know, through my Team Canada years, uh, you know, I made a lot of good friends. And it's like you get to compete against so many guys that you, let's say, sometimes you, you don't really know them, but you've seen them on TV. Kind of like when you're in Division One sports, right? It's like just me. So whenever you see them, it's all love. So it was for sure. 
Team mm-hmm. Canada is for sure just a great experience to just play, obviously represent the country, and obviously you have all the eyes on, but that's for sure a great experience. Okay. Uh, are you planning on uh, still playing with Team Canada, senior, the senior team? Yeah, so like during the season, like, so they switched it up, right? They switched it up in terms of like the different FIBO windows. So it's a little tricky now, right? Most of the time it was only during the summertime. And, you know, these last couple of years, it was like a whole bunch of qualifications, right? So I, I had participated in it a few times. And after that, this year, I got invited to do it just through the season. But my body was a little banged up when I was over there. And sometimes it's tricky, right? It's like, let's say you're in a groove and you're playing your professional team. And after that, let's say leaving and going, I think now it was like two games sometimes or one game you would have to leave. I think it was in Dominican Republic or something like that they went. But this year my body was a little banged up, so I didn't go for that qualification. As now I was still invited to like the stuff this summer, but because of the whole corona stuff kind of slowed down things. But the way Team Canada does it, it's like a pool of players, right? It's never like, whenever they send you the email, they send me an email for, let's say, this summer, right? And it's a pool of players, right? It'll be like 20 players. Obviously, there's way more competition now, right? And everybody wants to play in the Olympics. But, uh, you know, I was looking forward to this summer with it, just the training and stuff like that. And I kind of see where, where it goes. But now it's been uh, put on hold for a year. And after that, so we'll see. We'll see next year. But I, I think I don't think there's any more qualifications. But, uh, you know, they keep updating us and taking care of us you know even through right okay. now so, so what are you doing what are you doing i guess to stay in shape during this whole pandemic thing that's happening right now so i feel like i feel like everybody's in a weird situation right everybody's in a weird situation in terms of like i don't know about montreal but there's not really gyms over here you can't just go to a gym or, or just hoop most of the spots that i usually have over here are completely closed and i think everything's closed right so right now it's just more like I always get to do like I have a nice little setup over here for weight and stuff like that and like obviously conditioning you can you can run outside you can run track work field work whatever and stuff like that so I try to stay somewhat in shape with that you know but obviously it's difficult you know it's not the same thing as like once you're so used to okay I can be in Toronto okay I can go to Carlton I can go to different I can go to different spots like that yeah. uh, now it's like everything's on pause mm-hmm. it's like you can't hoop, you know, or maybe you can hoop outside. I know a couple of my friends in the States, I don't know what's happening over there, but it's like, <laughs> I guess they're a little looser with the rules over there, but I, I hope, you know, in the next week or so, I think things are going to start opening up and I'll okay. back to the routine. Uh, so what's your plan for next year? So right now I'm just kind of in the process. Everybody's waiting. Right. And mm-hmm. right now it's a weird situation in terms of just the basketball world. Right. Obviously today, I think they announced with the NBA that they're going to resume. But even the same thing overseas, right? I was getting ready to to start the playoffs in like two, three weeks and, and get that started going. But now it's like with everything on hold, I know there's a lot of most leagues in Europe, let's say most leagues in Europe are canceled. But there's a couple of leagues that are still trying to figure out if they're going to continue the season and stuff. So it's kind of a unique summer in terms of like most of the time, like right now, I'm still playing. Right. And after that, you you stop playing. Maybe you chill for a month. And after that, around, like, let's say end of like June, July, you start doing, okay, this team wants me, this team, obviously throughout the season, you're always going to get interest from certain teams, right? But in terms of right now, it's just kind of like my agents obviously talking to a whole bunch of different teams in, in Europe, but Europe is still kind of on a pause in terms of like, like, like a lot of people lost money, let's say, right? Uh-huh. NBA lost millions of dollars overseas, the same stuff. So I feel like a lot of European teams or just teams in general are kind of, trying to see what 
the budget is going to be for next year. So before you know what exactly your budget is going to be, they're not going to, you can't really know how much money mm-hmm. you can offer. Right. And some guys for sure, some guys are signing and stuff like that, but I feel like some, some teams are signing guys predicting what their budget is going to be. Right. And maybe their budget is not going to be as low as they think. Right. So sometimes, you know, everybody's different situation. Guys might be a little nervous and want to sign right away. Um, I could sign right away, but I'm a little more patient with it just to kind of feel the market and just see, okay, who has this, who has that, and different opportunities, basketball, coach, everything, right? There's a lot of things that go into it. But mm-hmm. I should be signing probably, I would say, in the next month or so. Okay. But, you know, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not rushing too much with it. Okay. All right, Kenny, your game? Um, just last one question Robinson? before the game. Uh, I know you're still going to play for another eight, ten years, but yeah. what 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 are your plans for uh, after basketball? Just wondering. I've I've always been I've always been interested in just uh just business stuff, you know. And it's obviously hard, right, for athletes. Sometimes you get caught in uh, basketball, basketball, basketball. But kind of like you said, let's say I play for the next eight years, you know. In the next eight years, I'll be 35, and 35 is still very young. So obviously, you have to mm-hmm. figure out uh stuff to do but I think as basketball players you have so much time on your hands in terms of like I don't know educating yourself on different stuff right if you're interested in stock market stuff or finance or real estate stuff or there's so many different things you can educate yourself on through your basketball career right Mm -hmm. and I'm I'm whatever whatever I'm I'm interested in money right and whatever (laughs) gives me the most money I'll be interested but you know I'm big on reading book and educating myself about just all types of different opportunities in terms of just real estate, stock market and stuff like that. So I'm not as focused on it right now, but you know, you can always educate yourself in terms of, you know, instead of being on Instagram for hours, you know, you go on Google, you see a podcast, you know, you take a course online or you read a book. So, you know, whatever related to money, I'll be interested. (laughs) Okay. So my game is, I just want you to name your top five player that you played with. So from PG to center, who who was your top five top five player that you played with ever? Top five player that I've played with ever, or played with or played against? No, with with with. Jesus, I played with a lot of. I played with a lot of guys. I would say my best center, Zach August. I played against him in prep school. I played with him in prep, so I would put him at the five. Four, man. That's tough, man. Well, I can I can say with the national team, right? Let's say I played with Corey Joseph, right? Corey Joseph, he had one. Like, in terms of just, I kind of look at it as, like, who is the most successful, right? <laughs> so I'll say Corey's for sure in it. Uh, Bennett was a monster, and he's for sure in it. Um, who else? The best ever. I got what two more guys? Yeah. yeah. Jeez, that's tough. Well, I played against with LeBron at the LeBron camp, but that's not really weird. <laughs> <laughs> but uh let me let me see. let me see. Overseas who I played against. So I have Zach, Bennett, Corey, Andrew Wiggins, I would say. You know, I played okay. against I played with him and you always have to give respect to him, right? For what he's doing right now and what he's done throughout his career, which is pretty impressive. And You can put yourself if you want. <laughs> no, I'll just, I'll just pick somebody. I'll just pick somebody else. I'm trying to get another shooting guard. Another shooting guard. I would say, Jesus, you guys are putting me on the spot. Shooting guard. Who's, I'm kind of a shooting guard, point guard, but I'll put myself. Yeah. 
That's good. Um, uh, so uh, this this last game is called Start Bench Cut. I'm gonna give you three things. You gotta start oh. one. You gotta bench one. You gotta cut one. Uh oh. Go okay. ahead. All right. So, um, the first one is um, playing in the playing the ACC again, Rookie of the Year. So basically, yeah, I'll say that whole that whole year basically playing the ACC Rookie of the Year. That's okay. One, that's one thing. The second one is being um, able uh, getting drafted because that's a lot of okay. kids. That's the dream, right? And then the third one is, I guess. I want to say, but Team Canada. Yeah, I guess yeah, Team Canada. Yeah. So ACC, my first year, I drafted and Team Canada. Oh, uh, I feel like obviously it's cool getting drafted, right? But it's like it doesn't really mean nothing, you know. Yeah. Obviously, it's nice with the people hitting you up and stuff like that. But I never like had a crazy, like I never put it in, like on my like top top list in terms of like achievements so i'd probably say i would start for sure the acc stuff right mm-hmm. i would start and i would get team canada and after that i would i would cut the the drafting but the drafting yeah. is like i don't know it's kind of weird because you have two basketball stuff and like something that's basketball related yeah. but not really like me performing basketball right uh, okay but I, I would have it in that order okay fair enough fair, fair enough all right listen man we appreciate your time coming on here talking to us um, I don't know if you know, but you've definitely paved, helped pave the way in Quebec basketball, open doors to a lot of kids now that are playing. And I appreciate your, I appreciate what you've done for the game, what you've done for, you know, not just Quebec, but Canada. Mm-hmm. And uh, just coming on here and sharing your story and your path. We, we know a lot of times a lot of kids all just, all we see is the glitz and glamours, mm-hmm. you know, but we don't see behind the scenes, right? And this is why we want to talk to you, you know, so you can share your insights of what you've been through. And I appreciate your time being on here. No, appreciate you guys for sure having me. And obviously, this is a good thing. You guys, you guys just started, but, you know, keep it yeah. going and keep having these guys and just, yeah. you know, keep pushing it. Merci, man. Merci encore d'avoir accepté, man. Puis c'est sûr, il y a beaucoup de personnes qui vont regarder cette émission-là puis qui vont uh-huh. vraiment apprendre. So, merci uh-huh. encore. Uh-huh. No, I appreciate it, man. Yeah. Well, whenever I come to Montreal, we'll, whenever this COVID, Corona yeah. thing comes down, we'll link up. We'll do something. Yeah, for sure. I was there. Sure. there. To our listeners, uh, listening, don't forget to subscribe. Once again, I'm Seth Moa, aka SA. I'm Kenny, aka KJL. And stay tuned for another episode.